Good morning. Welcome to this round table. I'm trying to do my best Joe Barlow impersonation at the moment. And he's about two feet taller than me. So anyway, welcome to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're here. The uh, we got several announcements. Tuesday night, two-gun tactical. What do we call that? Men's night out. We call that two-gun tactical. We call that two-gun tactical. <laughs> oh, okay. Ricky's cooking taco soup and bread pudding and beverage and tobacco of your choice. <laughs> so in that order. End of the month, fish camp down in Fairhope. Sign up. The first weekend of March is our next deer camp. So that's like March 3rd. So deer camp, okay? And um, lots of activity. I haven't been up lately. I've got to go because I've seen the pictures, but I ain't touched it, felt it, or smelt it. So it's time that I get my behind up there too. All right, the big, um, can you pull it up, Jeffrey? So Mr. Slowpoke over there. Guys, the big thing we want to remind you about is our website, the Holland Colony Men's Roundtable. And when you look over here on the series, okay, every series that Phil has done for the last 52 years, okay, <laughs> is up here. Now, look, I will tell you from personal experience when I was uh, working shift work at Nissan and, you know, the schedule just constantly changed. I literally would get up in the morning, pull my iPad out or evening because I worked all three shifts and I would turn on one of these series. OK, and listen to it while I was getting dressed. All right. It was a critical, crucial thing for me because I wasn't able to be here and be a part of the community, okay? And there's a huge community piece to this. That's we, Bill and Rome preach it, okay? And it's real. But when you can't be physically, then at least you can still get the teaching, okay? Um, I don't care if you, you know, some of you guys like to drive long distances. Anything past two and a half hours, I check out, okay? Find my airplane, I'm buying my Delta ticket, my American ticket, and I'm flying. Yes, I have driven 14, 15, 16 hours. I think you're ludicrous. It's not me, okay? But on my, on my short journeys, there's a lot of these that I can watch from the Wi-Fi on my C Spire phone. <laughs> and yes, I've already apologized to Mr. Jimmy this morning. He knows he's notified HR. So um, these are critical things. So the folks that are watching live on the internet right now, check these out, okay? Because these are great. And, you know, there's no subscription fee. You don't have, I hate subscription fees, right? I mean, I feel like I owe everybody in the world on a subscription fee. There's no subscription fee. Jeff, can you scroll it up? So you've got all the notes. And let's say that you missed your note taken. If you got the ADD, ADDHD, and the BRRR, and the NBC, and CBS like I do, I want my blanks filled in. And on the website, there they are. All right? So, guys, welcome. You ready? All right, let's pray. Father God in heaven, oh, how we love you. And we are thankful and grateful that we have the privilege, we have the opportunity, we have the health and the strength to gather in your name. You are our God, our King of Kings, our Prince of Peace, and we love you. Father, bless Phil and the words he's about to share with us. Father, may, may the, your Holy Spirit Feel his blood and the words, Father, that will that he shares with us. Lord, we love you in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mark. I'll have what he's having. Good morning, gentlemen. Happy New Year. Glad to be back. Hope you had a good holiday. Um, and uh, ready for the new year. So we're going to dig in um, this morning. 
So I have a song for you uh, that I trust will awaken your heart to the Lord. Um, Psalm 34, Psalm 57, and Psalm 142 are very special psalms. Those are the psalms that we know uh, were written by David uh, in his time of distress in the cave of Adullam. And we're going to talk about the cave of Adullam this morning. But um, if you were being chased by somebody literally, and it wasn't an old version of Mission Impossible, but it was for real, and somebody was trying to kill you, and you had a place to go, and it was your hideout, and you had your journal, what would you write in your journal? Well, what David wrote was Psalm 34, Psalm 57, and Psalm 142. So this morning, um, I want to share a song with you that Shane and Shane uh, wrote inspired by Psalm 34. Uh, one of our good friends um, in Fairhope in, a, in our ministry of Fish Camp alumni is Wendell Kimbrough. And uh, Wendell is a great musician, songwriter, and um, I often introduce uh, Wendell as uh, he is as talented as Chris Tomlin, but cheaper. <laughs> And what Wendell does magnificently, you can pull his music up on Pandora or Spotify or whatever, but what Wendell is very gifted at is uh, going into the Psalms and then recreating or personalizing uh, a song from the Psalms. And my favorite song uh, of, of Wendell's is his version of Psalm 32. And he got it when he came to fish camp. I uh, uh, often read Psalm 32 at our men's coaching weekends, Deer Camp Fish Camp. And Wendell uh, left and he wrote his version of Psalm 32. And man, it is special because it frames what we do on our weekends uh, so well. So I want to offer you this song this morning, Shane and Shane's version of Psalm 34. Let me just read just a portion of it to you. You could read the psalm uh, as a whole sometime maybe this weekend. Um, but imagine again, you're facing death. I mean, that person that you thought was a mentor, a father figure, somebody that really cared about you and you loved and trusted is now trying to kill you. And David sits down in the cave of Adullam, and he writes this, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from every fear. Those who look on him are radiant. They'll never be ashamed. They'll never be ashamed. This poor man cried. This poor man cried. And the Lord heard me and saved me from my enemies. The Son of God surrounded his saints. He will deliver them. He will deliver them. Gentlemen, none of us know what 2023 holds. This may be the toughest year of your life, may be the toughest year of my life. We don't know, but let's be prepared. May the heart, uh, may our hearts be open to what the Lord has for us this morning as we listen to Taste and See. I saw the Lord. He answered me and delivered me from every fear. Yeah, the 
Amen, 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 amen. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith all year long, every day. Act like men. Be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Gentlemen, it's going to be an exciting year. Um, God is a creator. And he has created a fresh plan for you and for me. And none of us know what this year holds. As I said earlier, this may be the hardest year of your life. Ouch. And it may be the best year of your life. Uh, we don't know. But today is about being ready. Getting ready. Being prepared. Uh, being spiritual weathermen in a sense, being able to predict and be ready. If you need an umbrella, grab an umbrella. If you need an overcoat, grab an overcoat. But we got to be ready. We go back to our line maker uh, series, um, and we're going to um, 
take January and February um, to complete this series that we started back in the fall. And then in March, we'll start a new series. So um, I want to draw your attention um, this idea of, of lion maker, a call to personal growth, maturity, and wholeness, and impact. Um, and I want to call your attention again to the declaration on the back of your notes. Um, as I mentioned to you before, uh, using Mark Batterson's book, uh, Lion Chaser, um, and I encourage you to read that book. I, I, I'm curious because I know that a number of you have told me that you have read this book in the fall when we started. How many of you are have read it or are presently reading it? Fantastic. The rest of you need to get on board. It's called redemptive shame right there, uh, Steele, you know. Sometimes God can even use shame, you know, to kind of get us going. Audio version. That's right. For all you non-readers, there, there is an audio version, actually. There actually is. That's good. Um, but in, in his uh, book, he wrote at the beginning what he calls a manifesto. And so I kind of was inspired by his words, and I call what I wrote, inspired by his words, a personal declaration. I, I invite you to do the same. Um, this is what I wrote. Follow with me. Lion Maker Declaration. I will quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Be the lion. I will set God-sized goals. I will pursue God-given passions. I will go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Be the lion. I will stop pointing out problems. I will become part of the solution. I will stop repeating the past. I will start creating my future. Be the lion. I will face my fears. I will fight for my dreams. I will grab opportunity by the mane and not let go. Be the lion. I will live like today is the first day and last day of my life. I will burn sinful bridges. I will blaze new trails. I will pursue the next adventure, be the lion. I will live for the applause of nail scarred hands. I will not let what's wrong with me keep me from whispering what's right with God, be the lion. I will dare to fail. I will dare to be different. I will quit holding out. I will quit holding back. I will quit running away. I will use my gifts and brokenness to impact others. I will seek to be a brother and father to others. I'll live in community. I will fight. I will be the lion. I will seek to be like Jesus. Amen. 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 Uh, lion Chaser by Mark Batterson. So, gentlemen, let's dig in. Pick up your pen. I've got three questions for you this morning. <clears throat> the first question, especially as we begin this new year, is what are your dreams? What are your dreams for the year? And I would hope that you've already started writing those down. I mean, I, I think that's part of... Uh, what we need to be doing in our journal. Um, uh, um, in years past, um, at this first gathering of the year, uh, I've done consistently uh, a session called uh, Two Books That You Must Have. And the two books that you must have, one would be obvious. And if you've been around here, the second one be uh, for very long, the second one would be obvious, but maybe you're new to the group. So what would the first book be that you've got to have? Amen. Squirrel, you know, Jesus, right? The old joke, the Bible. Now, this is a little bit harder if you've not been here for very long, but if you've been hanging around this group for very long, this is just as easy as the first one. What's the second book you've got to have? Journal. You've got to have the book that God wrote, and then you've got to have the book that you wrote 
or your writing. You've got to journal. You've got to journal. As I've said often, nowhere in the Bible does it say you've got to journal. Okay, I get it. But my goodness, what did God say to Jeremiah? God said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 30, write down what I tell you. Okay, write down what I tell you. Write it down. I do not believe that you can grow as God intended you to grow if you're not writing it down. There is nothing that's important to you that you don't write down. You even go to the grocery store with a grocery list. I tell Carla, I'll be glad to go shopping, but I'm not going without a list. And I still get it wrong with a list, right, still? You know, but if it's worth remembering and it's worth doing, it's worth writing down. And you're going to tell me that you're not going to journal? Come on. Come on. Come on. And I would invite any of you um, to share with me what action that you're taking this year. I would love to hear that. Send me an email. T take a picture of your journal and send it to me. I, I would love to uh, 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 have you share that and love to have you share with the group some of the things that you're doing as a result of, of what you're writing down and the dreams that you have. Second question. This is critical, guys, and this is where we're headed today. Where is the place that God used to shape you and change your life? Where is the place? I love the story in Genesis chapter 28 when Jacob uh, uh, is on a walk. And Jacob is on a walk, and it comes time to lay his head down, and he lays his head down on a rock. And the scripture says there in Genesis 28, and he came to a certain place. He laid his, house, his head on a rock, went to sleep. God appears to him in a dream. He wakes up and he, and he said, literally it says in the scripture, wow, this is an awesome place because the God of heaven is here. So my question to you is, how does a certain place any old place, become an awesome place when God shows up. So where's that place for you? It may be church. Fantastic. I hope it is. You know, when I, when I, when I go to church, man, God speaks to my heart. Fantastic. Amen. It may be that spot out in the woods. It may be that deer stand, you know. Now, that's a little tricky, isn't it? You know, sweetheart, I won't be here. I won't be home for a couple of weeks. I'm going to spend time with God in my deer stand. You know, that might be a little tricky. But God does speak to us there. You know, you know where one place is that I hope many of you wrote down? Ebenezer Place. Ebenezer Place. Um, 22 years of offering men a place to hear the voice of God. I hope that's on your list if you've not attended uh, in 2023 to come to our men's coaching weekend. But certainly um, one place that I hope you're writing down um, and answer that question is my men's group. My men's group my team of men. As I've often said to you before, how many men are on a life team? Five men on a basketball team, nine men on a baseball team, 11 men on a football team. How many men on a life team? Four guys, you and three others. And where I get that from is... Jesus had 12, but he had three that he was especially close to. David, in the passage we're going to read, he had 35, 30 that became 37, but he had three special warriors. He had three with him. And when you think about you and God, how many is that? Four. Isn't that cool? So I want you to be able to identify 
your men's group, your team. And when I'm in a place that I'm being chased, and this may be the hardest year of my life, I'm going to make sure I go to that place. Because that place where my men are, my brothers are, is where God will meet me. Life is a team sport. You cannot do it alone. You better be ready. You don't know what 2023 holds. Third question. Why might God call you into a situation without promising you success or victory? Write that down. Answer that question. I'll shut up. It's hard, but I'll shut up. Why might God in 2023 call you to go into a situation without promising you success or victory? Write that down. I don't know what you wrote. What I would write there is because God is more concerned about my growth and my character and my development than he is my comfort. He's not disinterested in my comfort. I mean, my goodness, the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. You know, and he told the uh, apostles, don't do anything after I leave until the Holy Spirit comes upon you because he will empower you. He will comfort you. He will reveal truth. But God will take you through a situation this year, I guarantee it, that'll challenge you, that'll stretch you. So I want you to spend a couple of minutes making a new friend, talk to your old friend, uh, make sure he doesn't do all the talking, uh, get your words in there, and share what you wrote down for number two and number three. Go. <laughs> Well, I'm going to go up 
All right, gentlemen, let's uh, continue. Let's continue. Lion Maker. This whole series, um, I've invited you to think about it in terms of be the lion, lion maker, uh, summarized in, uh, in two verbs. God is always moving. He's always action. And so the two verbs that I've invited you to, to think about is be and go. Be a disciple or be a grower. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you a learner. That's what the word disciple means. I'll learn you as we, uh, uh, as I grew up in Tennessee saying, I'll, I'll learn you. I'll learn you. Um, the idea of growth is summarized in the description of Jesus in Luke 2.52 when it, it describes Jesus as increasing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. This idea of stature, of course, is physical growth. Some of us, if not all of us, need to be making new physical goals. I've made those physical goals. Got to lose the Christmas weight. Got to get back to playing weight. Got to start eating healthy again, get off the sugar, get off the crack, uh, begin to get in shape, right? Physical. <laughs> I, had, I had to eat that leftover pumpkin pie, though, before I, before I came this weekend. Emotional growth, being able to handle our emotional life. Some of you guys have really, really high IQ, and you suck at EQ. You know what EQ is? Your emotional intelligence. Some of you would be on the short bus of emotional intelligence. Okay? You need to be able to identify your emotions, regulate your emotions, express your emotions. Emotion is to relationship as calcium is to bone. What happens to bone when you're low in calcium? They're brittle and break. When you have no emotional vitality, there's no connectability in relationships. Emotion is like Velcro in relationship. You have something to stick to. And when you either have too high of an emotional deregulation or you have too low, then nobody can stick to you and nobody wants to. And nobody wants to. One of the biggest problems, gentlemen, that you and I have with our emotional intelligence, our EQ, is anger. 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 It's the only emotion that most men know. Most men will say, I have three emotions. I feel hungry. I feel like having sex and I feel angry. Now, only one of those is an emotion. I'll let you figure that out. And it's way too much load on that bridge. And a man who has anger issues also has relationship issues. Then this idea of social growth or healing what relationships in 2023 would you put on your prayer list right now that you want to see healed? A brother, a sister, a mother, a father, a friend who hurt you in 2022, a marriage. Where do you need healing relationally? And maybe you need some friends, you know? Some of you, your mama had to tie a pork chop around your neck just to get the dog to play with you. You know, it's like, come on now. I think that's an old Jerry Clower joke, isn't it, Phil? Isn't that, isn't that from Yazoo County, you know? <laughs> Spiritual growth, intimacy with God. That's what we're talking about. 
I, I want you to be a regular attender in church. I want you to be a regular attender here. I want you to come to Deer Camp. I want you to come. I want you to come. I want you to come. But that's secondary. All of that is secondary to intimacy with God. That God would know you and that you would know God. Intimacy, intimacy, intimacy with God. The word obedience is a scary word to me. I believe in it, but I grew up seeing it abused, and so it scares me because obedience without intimacy is legalism, obligation, and duty. And that just about robbed me of my life early on. Obedience out of an intimate, loving relationship is a thing of beauty. I love my wife dearly. Um, and I love the time that we spend together. And I love serving her, but I don't serve her out of performance or out of obligation or duty. Do you do that with God? Intimacy with God. So then this idea of go is critical. So this is B and this is go. And today, I want you to focus on this idea of go with the two words that I've already given you. Place, well, I've given you one of them. The other one is risk. Where's your place and what are you willing to die for? This is what we're talking about. What are you willing to die for? What's the cause, the purpose that drives you in life? Turn over to 2 Samuel chapter 22, or uh, uh, chapter 23. And I want to read this uh, passage um, that is, again, David. And there's an episode in David's life that we're introduced to in this passage. The first part of the passage, of course, once again, details David's three men. We've read this before in, in the fall. We'll read it again and then move into this new episode. Verse 8, chapter 23. This is the listing of David's top men. Joshibas Sheba, the Tachemite. He was a chief of the three. He once put his spear to work against 800, killed them all in a day. So what'd you do today? Oh, I killed 800 guys. You know, some of you have dads that were said, well, is that all? You know? Eleazar, son of Dodai, the Ahoyhite, was the next of the elite three. And he was with David when the Philistines poked fun at them at Pasdaman. And when the Philistines drew up for battle, Israel retreated. But Eleazar stood his ground and killed Philistines right and left until he was exhausted. But he never let go of his sword. A big win for God that day. The army then rejoined Eleazar, but all there was left to do was to clean up. It's funny. The team ran away. Eleazar left out on the battlefield. He never let go of that sword. He kept hacking away. And then the team shows back up and says, okay, what do we do? And there was nothing left to do but clean it up. Third guy, Shema, son of Aji, the Herahite, was the third of the three. The Philistines had mustered for battle at Lehi, where there was a field full of lentils. Now, I love this detail. Well, there's just a lentil field. It's a cotton field, soybean field, corn field. Israel fled before the Philistines, but Shema took his stand at the center of that field and successfully defended it and routed the Philistines. Another great victory for God. Just a place, certain place, cotton field, soybean field, corn field, lentil field. But wow, God showed up in a big way. And then we move into an episode here, and this is really significant. And we're introduced, once again, reminded of a time in David's life that he was hiding out in the cave of Adullam. Now listen to this. 
One day during harvest, the three parted from the 30 and joined David at the cave of Adullam. All right, now hold that. We'll come back to that passage. But I want to give you a little background on what the cave of Adullam was. Turn over, if you would, over to 1 Samuel chapter 22. 1 Samuel 22 details what the cave of Adullam was. Now, again, what it was was the place that David had to flee to when Saul was trying to kill him. So listen to this, and I'm going to read this out of my study Bible because I, I want you to get the precise meaning of this and the significance of the cave of Adullam. So David departed, uh, uh, this is uh, 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1. So David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's household heard of it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented, gathered to him. Now that is hilarious. So the distressful, the debtors, and the discontented showed up, and he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. What a congregation. Are you kidding me? Now, now let me tease this out for you. This is hilarious. Distress. The Hebrew word there is zuk, Z-U-K. And it means those who are under pressure or under stress. They had high anxiety. So God, you send me a bunch of guys that need to be on Lexapro? I mean, really? I mean, they were having panic attacks. They show up and they're highly anxious. That's what the word distress means, okay? So the debtors, the Hebrew word there is neshah. And it means that they had a number of creditors that they had uh, lended on interest, they were ready to declare bankruptcy. Have you ever been around guys who need to declare bankruptcy? They're, they're not really helpful at the time because they're, and some of you in this room, I know have been there. It's scary time. And this is what God sent David. <laughs> and then the third group, discontented, the Hebrew where there's mar nafash, and it means to be bitterness, uh, to be bitter of soul, to have been wronged and mistreated. Oh my goodness, victims, 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 victims. Poor baby, somebody call the ambulance. God. Saul is trying to kill me, and this is what you give me? Really? Really? Wow. And David worked with those men. Powerful. So now come back to the passage, 1 Samuel chapter 23. He's at the cave of Adullam, and a squad of Philistines has set up camp in the valley of Rephraim. While David was holed up in the cave, the Philistines had their base camp in Bethlehem. And David had a sudden, sudden craving and said, would I ever like to have a cheese pizza? I mean, a, a drink of water from the well at the gate of Bethlehem. You know, I think that's so much like David. It's like, you know, why do you think he was craving that water? Because he knew the enemies, his enemies were drinking his water. You got my water. He could have had water anywhere. Water was available. The reason I'm craving water from Bethlehem is because the Philistines are drinking my water. So the three penetrated the Philistine lines, drew water from the well at the gate of Bethlehem and brought it back to David. But David wouldn't drink it. He poured it out as an offering to God saying, there is no way, God, that I will drink this. This isn't mere water. It's lifeblood. It's their lifeblood. They risk their lives to bring it. So David refused to drink it. This is the sort of thing that the three did. Guys, you've got to have a place, a cave of a door, 
and you've got to be willing to die for something greater than yourself. These guys were willing to risk their lives because they love David. And I think that it wasn't just about water. I think it symbolized their trust and faith in God that they could go in there and they could get water from that well with the Philistines guarding it and come back. That was a faith risk, guys. That wasn't just water. That wasn't just water. What are you willing to risk in this coming year? I want to show you um, a clip from Jocko. Everybody know Jocko? The Navy SEAL has a podcast. Love Jocko. Watch this. What are you willing to risk? Fear of failure can keep you from taking risk. Yeah, it can leave you sitting there paralyzed into not taking any action at all. And obviously, that's bad. But I don't actually want you to overcome the fear of one. I want, I want afraid of failure. Fear of failure is good. Fear of failure will keep you up at night. Fear of failure will keep you training a home. It'll stop you from cutting corners. Fear of failure will work with thinking and striving and relentlessly trying to be more prepared for battle. So, on your backs and doing nothing. That is what I want you to be afraid of. Of waking up in six days or six weeks or six years or 60 years and being no closer to your goal. You've made no progress. You can't overcome the feelings that are rising up, but you can take action despite them. The things that you're feeling, clenching up, feeling like you're not good enough, feeling like you're not ready, doubting yourself, all that, that's normal. We all do. So I don't want you to focus on the thoughts. I want you to focus on taking action, even though you doubt yourself. You are going to feel like an imposter until you put through that clenched gut moment and over and over again and then suddenly your action you're going to see that you're not very positive at all you're actually the kind of person that pushes through and does what he or she says they are going to do so get up and go take the risk take the gamble take the first step take action don't let another day slip by. Amen. Guys, I, I honestly believe that that's more like how the scripture is addressed to us than not. I mean, that's from Jocko. But I think that's what Jesus was more like Jocko than more like Gumby or, you know. What's the big purple turtle that's in my head or the, the big purple guy? Uh, Barney. Yeah, Barney. Yeah, Barney. I couldn't think of Barney. That's what's in my head. Barney. No, I want to be like Jocko. I want to rather Barney. I'm afraid I'm going to be like Barney. I want to be like Jesus. This idea of a place of preparation 
It's where dreams are born. It's a holding cell. Uh, David was continually being prepared for the battles ahead. God's going to put you in a place this year to prepare you, to mold you, to shape you. Be ready for that. But you've got to have a place that you go as a holding cell. It, it, it's, it's a place where dreams are made. It, it's, I, I love the scene in Zorro where the new Zorro is being trained by the old Zorro. And there's three circles in the training cave. And the old Zorro says to the new Zorro, I'm, you're at the third circle. I'm going to get you to the first circle. If you do what I tell you, you'll get from the third circle to the first circle. And the uh, impetuous young Zorro says, okay. So what's the purpose of the second circle? And the old Zorro just looks at him and says, well, just to get you to the first circle. Sometimes circle number two is just the process. And God will put you in, in a holding place that this is where you've got to dig in and do your work. 2023 may be that for you. And then this idea of risk, man, quit playing it safe. Take a chance. Dream big. What does God want to do in you and through you in 2023? And we'll close with this. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 38. I could go on and on, but I've run out of time. There are so many more. Gideon. Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, the prophets, through acts of faith, they toppled kingdoms, made justice work, took the promises for themselves. They were protected from lions, fires, and sword thrusts, turned disadvantage to advantage, won battles, routed alien armies. Women received their loved ones back from the dead. There were those who, under torture, refused to give in and go free, preferring something better, resurrection. Others braved abuse and whips and, yes, chains and dungeons. We have stories of those who were stoned, sawed in two, murdered in cold blood, stories of vagrants wandering the earth in animal skins, homeless, friendless, powerless. The world didn't deserve them, making their way as best they could on the cruel edges of the world. Gentlemen, God is a God of action. He will test you this year. He will test you. You will have to risk. What are you willing to die for? You're called to try. The goal is for God's glory. And you'll never make it without a heart for him. Who do you love? Who do you love? Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for my brothers. Uh, thank you for your words to us. Father, help us to understand the intensity, the magnitude of the life that we live. Don't ever let us take for granted what we have. Help us to be faithful and increase what we have. Take our two and make four. Take our five and make 10 in a way that brings honor to your name. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.